the unknown. Mystery. Space. Have fun. Adventure. Suspense. Fantasy. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror. Welcome to journey number 155 of the Journey Into podcast, featuring Till Death Do We Meet by Marshall Latham. I am your guide in this journey, Marshall Latham, coming to you from base camp in the Treasure Valley. Hey there, everybody. It's great to be back here to share another journey with you. And this time it's extra special for me, anyway, because I get to share one of my stories, something that I've written. It's not my most recent story, but it is uh, one of my recently written stories. And uh, I had a lot of fun writing this and putting it together. It is part of the Dead and Breakfast series of stories that are a series and a setting created by Rish Outfield, who many of you on this podcast, no. And I wanted to add to it. I wanted to be part of this world. And I'm, I'm not going to give much of an introduction to it because uh, I think the story stands alone, even though it's part of a series and it does fit in to the Dead and Breakfast series and dovetails directly with one of the stories that Rich has written. Um, it should stand alone. And if you're listening to this, and you haven't read any of the other stories in this series, it's okay. I think this will be a good introduction for you, and I will definitely encourage you to read more of these stories uh, by Rish Outfield. But let's talk more about that after we listen to the story. It's a pretty long story. It's over an hour because I just kept writing. In fact, this is the cut-down version of Tell Death Do We Meet. And so, without further ado... Let's journey into the small town of Vernon, Idaho. Till Death Do We Meet by Marshall Latham Kara ducked into the Toyota Corolla, not quite managing to stuff all of her wedding dress into the passenger seat. Part of her train was stuck in the door, but she didn't care. Drive, she said to Dustin, her new husband as of 11 a.m. that morning. With pleasure, Dustin said. He had to use the side mirrors to back out because the entire back seat from floor to ceiling was crammed full of balloons. Kara could see that at least one of them was a condom. That must have been a contribution from Dustin's friend, Jake. Carr rolled down the window and waved to her friends and family, 
who had come to their wedding reception. Goodbye, she yelled. The well-wishers waved back and said things like, Goodbye, drive safe, we love you, have fun tonight. Dustin pulled out of the church parking lot, headed for Boise. Well, that was fun, but I'm glad it's over. Amen to that. For a day that's supposedly all about us, it seems like 90% of it was for everyone else. Still, I'm glad my parents were both there. I was worried it would be awkward. Why? They've been divorced for quite a while, and they've been to events together before, Dustin said. He smiled. (laughs) I really like talking to your dad. He's pretty funny. Yeah, but I worry about him. He never opens up. I worry that his jokes are covering something up. Kara frowned. And speaking of jokes, I wish Jake wouldn't have cited all of the divorce statistics during his best man speech. Yeah, he took that a bit too far. Luckily, he sensed the audience fading and moved on. I just worry about that kind of thing, you know? I know, said Dustin. He caressed her arm reassuringly. But we just have to make sure that doesn't happen to us. I can't imagine living my life without you. I agree. But I'm sure my parents didn't imagine getting a divorce on their wedding day either. And look what happened to them. Yes, but we will work hard to make our marriage strong. Faith, not fear, Kara Page. We will prevail, Dustin said. He grabbed her hand and squeezed it. Dustin's confidence and optimism always gave Kara comfort and hope. You're right, she replied. I'm glad I got married to you. Me too, Dustin said with a smile. Kara fanned herself. Man, I am so hot. I can't wait to get out of this dress. That makes two of us, Dustin said with a sly smile. (laughs) Kara laughed and slapped his knee. Well, slow down there, partner. We've still got a long drive ahead of us. Yeah, how far away is this little town we're staying in? Vernon is about two hours from here, I think. Why are we driving there again? My Aunt Jean made the arrangements for us as our wedding gift. She said it was so fortunate we were getting married today, like destiny. Hmm. Is Vernon where your aunt spent her honeymoon? Maybe. I don't know. At first she said my Uncle Derek would be so happy to see us, but he passed away when I was 15. When I corrected her, she seemed kind of befuddled and murmured something about how happy he would have been for us if he were still here. I worry about her. Sometimes she talks about Uncle Derek like he's still around or something. How old is she? Aunt Jean is 76. She sent me a Snapchat on her birthday. Your 76-year-old aunt has a Snapchat account? Yeah, she's cool. Definitely my favorite aunt. After my parents' divorce, I practically lived with her and Uncle Derek every summer in Montana. Now those two were the model of an ideal marriage, always happy and supportive of each other. Well, I can't wait to meet her when we get there for the 4th of July in a couple days. 
Aunt Jean lived in Montana on the way to Glacier National Park, where Dustin and Kara were planning to spend the last few days of their honeymoon. They were all packed and ready to go. They were going to Kara's apartment, now their apartment, to change, load up the car, and then head off to Vernon for the night. Should I carry you all the way up to the third floor, or, or just over the threshold? Dustin asked, upon arriving at the apartment complex. Kara rolled her eyes. Oh, please. I always thought that was so hokey. Yeah, I guess you're right, Dustin said, somewhat deflated. One of Dustin's most endearing traits was his earnestness. Kara loved him for it. Dustin and Kara had pretty much grown up together. They were both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and their families attended the same congregation, or ward, as it was called. Dustin had always had a huge crush on Kara, but Kara only had eyes for Ty Palmer, another boy in the ward. Kara and Ty started dating soon after she turned 16. The same year, just before graduation, Dustin had turned 18 and submitted his missionary papers. Before he knew it, he was gone, called to serve a mission in Guatemala. A month after Dustin left, Kara learned she had started a journey of her own. She was pregnant. Ty was the father. Quite scandalous, especially in a predominantly religious community. Kara and Ty both went to their parents and their bishop, who only offered love and support. After many tears, prayers, heartache, and counsel, they felt the grace of God's healing power. Kara and Ty had planned to marry, but tragically, Ty was killed in a hiking accident later that summer. Kara was devastated. What was she supposed to do? After a lot of soul-searching and more prayer, Kara decided the best option for her and for the child would be adoption. It was the hardest decision of her life. Kara had a baby girl and spent a precious hour alone with her before releasing her to the adoption agency. She had chosen a couple in Oregon to be the parents who seemed to have the same sense of humor and outlook on life similar to her own. Kara often wondered how her little girl was doing, but also felt assured that everything was as it should be. By the time Dustin returned from his mission in Guatemala, Kara had went through a medical assistant training program at the community college, got a job, and moved to Boise. Kara had heard that Dustin was back, but had been away when he spoke in church. Two and a half years had gone by since then. Their paths hadn't crossed until six months ago when she visited her mom's ward, her old ward, in Nampa, on the Sunday before Christmas. Dustin was doing the same thing. They caught up after church, he asked her on a date, and they had been inseparable ever since. When Kara had shared all of her trials and triumphs with Dustin, he had shown great compassion and admired her courage and resolve. Dustin had brightened her days and made her laugh more than she had in years. I love you, Kara said, standing in the apartment complex parking lot. Have I told you that lately? Dustin smiled and kissed her. Yes, but I don't mind hearing it. You know... Kara said playfully. We do have a long drive ahead of us. Uh-huh. And this is officially our apartment now. Uh-huh. 
Let's go get these clothes off and officially initiate our bedroom. I'll beat you up the stairs, Dustin said while starting to run. Kara laughed and followed him. Cheater! When they returned to the car a couple hours later, they removed the streamers from the back bumper and popped enough balloons so they could see out the rearview mirror. They'd deal with the soap writing on the windows when they got to Aunt Jean's place. Kara wanted to drive the first leg of the journey. It didn't take long before they were on a lonely, two-lane highway free from any signs of civilization. Dustin's phone said that Vernon was 74 miles away, an estimated time of 1 hour and 43 minutes. That would get them there close to 10 o'clock. You really surprised me back there, Dustin said. I surprised myself, said Cara. They say spontaneity keeps the spark alive in a relationship. Well then, here's to spontaneity. <laughs> After a moment, Dustin awkwardly began. Um, so, how did... Never mind. What? Never mind. It's silly. Well, now you have to tell me. Kara said, punching Dustin in the shoulder. What is it? I was just wondering... Everything... Everything with you and Ty. How did I... Was it... A light went off in Kara's head. How did sex with you compare to sex with Ty? Yeah, I, I guess. I, I know it's not fair. Actually, I totally get it. Kara was kind of amazed that she hadn't considered this before. Of course Dustin was intimidated by, or to be more kind, curious about how he stacked up against Ty. Well, it was a totally different circumstance with Ty. We were just kids, and we barely knew what we were doing. We didn't plan it or think much about it at all. It was rushed and chaotic and messy. I guess it felt good because that's what led us to that point. But to be honest, it happened so fast. I don't remember the actual act much, other than it hurt a little. Really? Yeah. So earlier, did it... Oh, no. We were all good. That's a relief. Also, Ty and I felt instant remorse about what we had done. I remember crying as he drove me home. I think he was crying too. All those lessons at church about the law of chastity, all of the warnings about the slippery slope and how easy it was to give in if you let your guard down, all of it was true. And we had let it happen. I'm sorry, Kara. I shouldn't have brought this up on our wedding day. No, no, it's fine. Nothing could ruin this day. I've been through a lot in my life, but here with you, I couldn't be happier. Me too. Kara leaned over and gave him a quick kiss. You weren't really friends with Ty, were you? Oh, we got along well enough. 
but we were never close. We didn't hang out so much outside of church activities and Boy Scouts and stuff. He was big into sports and I was more into math and science. But you both played football together. Ty was the star linebacker and running back. I, I was on the offensive line. We were friendly, but he and I were on different planes of existence. After football season, I focused on school. Ty went on to wrestling and track. All sports all the time, he used to say. Sounds right, Dustin said while yawning. That all seems so long ago. Our lives are completely different now. Yeah. Their conversation eventually lulled, and Dustin faded off to sleep. The approaching road sign read, Vernon, 12 miles. Kara slapped Dustin's shoulder. We're almost there, sleepyhead. What? I just dozed off for a minute. Yeah, times 100. Sorry about that. Oh, don't you worry. I'll sleep tomorrow on the way to Great Falls. They drove into town, or... So the next sign had told them. There were a few dimly lit streetlights, for what they were worth, but there didn't seem to be much of a downtown. There were the Vernon Auto Repair and the former Freed Store that looked like they were operating businesses, but everything else looked abandoned and dilapidated. Dustin had his phone out. What is the name of the hotel? It's the Noble Oaks Bed and Breakfast. Oh, here it is. Uh, in a mile and a half, turn right onto SR-12. What does SR stand for? Service road, I think. Kara followed his directions. SR-12 was a paved street, but it was desperate for maintenance. Painted lines at least would be helpful. The car was pulled into ruts intermittently. The streetlights had vanished, so it was hard to pick anything out. Should be on the left, about a half a mile down, Dustin said. He was right. A massive wooden sign with flowing cursive words, Noble Oaks Bed and Breakfast, gave it away undeniably. Kara pulled into a gravel parking lot. It was packed full of cars. She circled around a couple of times before settling on parking on the side of the building next to a large propane tank, surrounded by bollards. She wasn't sure if it was legal, but it was the only option she could find. As they were getting out of the car, Kara had a perverse thought. Let's pretend to be other people, she said. What do you mean? said Dustin warily. He opened the trunk and pulled out the small overnight bag they had packed, with a change of clothes and toiletries. When we go in, let's do a bit of acting. Nobody in there knows who we are. We can pretend to be anybody. It'll be fun. Um, it's been a long day. I'd rather just get to the room and enjoy the night together. Me too. This will just be while we check in. Dustin scrunched up his nose. 
It seems a little juvenile. Oh, come on, Kara said. She almost pouted. Spontaneity, remember? I'll make it up to you once we're in the room. Dustin shrugged. Okay, sure. Oh, good. I'm going to act like Courtney from the singles ward. Remember how she would always be in everybody's face about her engagement and went on and on about her ring? Oh, yeah. She had piercing blue eyes, right? Yep. Who are you going to be? I don't know. I do a pretty good Jack Nicholson impression. No, that's too obvious. Pick someone only we will know. Kara, I have no idea. You could be Keith, Courtney's husband. Dustin thought for a moment. Was he the kind of shifty guy with the weird laugh? Balding? Yep. Okay. They entered the lobby, and a little bell sounded. Not an electronic bell, like at a convenience store, but an actual little bell that was attached to the door. The lobby was surprisingly crowded. There didn't appear to be a line to the front desk, but there were several people milling around it. Others were standing around in conversation. They spotted a small couch that was unoccupied. Dustin sat down on the end, and Kara practically sat in his lap, even though there was plenty of open room. Nice night, isn't it? Said an older woman sitting in a wheelchair next to Dustin. Why, yes, it is, said Kara dramatically. It's our wedding night. Just look at this ring my husband got me. The heart-shaped diamond was what he proposed with. And then we added the wrap with smaller embedded stones for the full effect. Very nice, said the woman in the wheelchair. Yes, my husband didn't want diamonds on his ring. He has a simple gold band, but it has some nice designs on it. Show her your ring, honey. Dustin didn't move. He was just staring around the room with a strange grin. Kara was taken aback by his uncharacteristic inattention. But then she realized he was play-acting. She smiled. I do love this man. So who are you hoping to see tonight? Asked the wheelchair woman. Kara wasn't sure if the woman was just trying to change the subject or if she was confused. Tonight? She asked. Hopefully nobody. Dustin cut in awkwardly. If you know what I mean. <laughs> he chuckled creepily. It sounded like he was going for his Nicholson impression after all, though it wasn't as good as he had claimed. <laughs> Kara joined him with a giggle and tapped his knee. Another woman... Middle-aged, heavy-set, turned her attention toward them from a nearby group of chairs. You mean you don't know? She asked, seemingly aghast. Know what? Asked Kara. We thought you were here because of the internet, the heavy-set woman said. An older gentleman, dressed in a suit, spoke up. Yes, some idiot spilled the beans about this place. And now, they're actually having to turn people away. We're here on our honeymoon, Kara said. 
raising her ring finger toward the men, who merely nodded. Spilled the beans about what? asked Nicholson Dustin. Oh, nothing, said the heavyset woman. I'm sure you'll have a nice time. She smiled, and then gave the lobby patrons a knowing glance. The room seemed to collectively shrug, and then went on with their previous conversations and activities. Strange. Kara thought the woman might have been intrigued by their youth. Most of the guests looked to be at least 40, or even older. Maybe this hotel didn't get young visitors often, let alone newlyweds. But still, Kara felt like there was something else in the air, something everybody knew but them. Was everyone on to them? Did they know Kara and Dustin were play-acting and were trying to pull one over on them as well? What didn't she and Dustin know? What beans were spilled? The area around the front desk cleared. Let's go check in, honey, Kara said. Dustin just grinned at her and stood. When they got to the front desk, Dustin, still in character, leaned in and said, We'll take the honeymoon, sweet darling. He flashed his eyes at the clerk. The clerk, a young woman with red hair, not much older than them, looked up and smiled pleasantly. I'm sorry we don't have a honeymoon suite. Do you have a reservation? Yes, Kara interjected. For Dustin and Kara Page? The clerk straightened her glasses and scanned the computer screen. She frowned. Kara noticed a scar on the woman's neck and tried not to stare. It might also be listed under the name of Gray, Kara offered. My aunt made the reservation. Oh, Mrs. Gray, of course. She won't be coming this year? No, Kara said, a bit confused. Did the clerk know her aunt? That's too bad. But we are glad that you are staying with us tonight. It's a big night for us. It is? Yes. The clerk looked up and saw their confused faces. She straightened. Oh, I mean with it being your honeymoon and all. Right. The clerk handed Kara the keys. You're in room six, second floor. The stairs are just over there to the right. If you need anything, anything at all, don't hesitate to call. My name is Michelle. I'll be here all night if you need help or have any questions or anything. She oddly stressed the word anything. That's a pretty name. Thanks. For a pretty lady, added Dustin. He flashed his eyes at the clerk again. Kara rolled her eyes. Well, enjoy your stay, said Michelle. And again, call if you need anything tonight. Again, with the emphasis on anything. Thanks. Dustin and Kara found the stairs and were just about to ascend when a man rushed up to them with money in his hand. Howdy, folks. Looks like you've got a room for the night. Yes, Dustin replied. I'll give you a thousand dollars if you let me and my friends stay in your room tonight. A thousand dollars? 
Why would you pay us? Our stay here was a gift from a dear family member. And it's our honeymoon. We're not interested. The man avoided looking at Kara and addressed Dustin directly. It's a great deal, kid. If you didn't pay for the room, then it's all profit. And why would you want to spend your honeymoon at a place like this anyways? Especially tonight, eh? Um, no. My wife is correct. This is not about money. Uh, it's late. We've had a long day. We'd like to enjoy our honeymoon. But you're... The answer is no, sir. Kara stated sternly. Good night. Some people can't The man turned away and mumbled something about hoping the room was cursed or haunted or something like that. He met up with another man who shook his head, indicating he hadn't had any luck either. Dustin and Kara shrugged at each other and went up the stairs to their room. Dustin threw the overnight bag on the bed. You were right. Room scalpers aside, that was pretty fun. Yes, Jack. I noticed you were really getting into it. And wouldn't they be the opposite of scalpers? Dustin shrugged again. I suppose. But I wasn't Jack. I was being Keith. No, you were Jack. But I love you either way. Dustin grabbed Kara by the shoulders, began kneading them with his fingers. He slipped back into his Jack Nicholson impression and took deep breaths from his nostrils as he said, You are my number one gal. You're a weirdo. That's from Batman. I know what it's from, silly. Kara took off her shoes kissed her husband, and then tumbled onto the bed with a sigh of relief. Ah, what a day. It's nice to relax. Dustin collapsed on the bed next to her. Just remember, you said you'd make it up to me if I played along. Oh, don't you worry there, big boy. I'm not done with you. I just need to recharge for a moment. Sounds good. They laid in silence. Then, Dustin wondered. Pretty weird, though, huh? A thousand dollars? Yeah, but that wasn't all. Didn't you sense something strange going on from the moment we got here? Not really. Just us play acting, and the dude with the money. I don't know. Just some of the things people said, and the strange looks between them. The whole vibe of the place seems odd, like we interrupted something. Huh. I didn't pick up on any of that. I guess I was too focused on being shifty. That shouldn't be too hard for you. Oh, really? Dustin rolled over and gave his wife a long, deep kiss. Kara moaned. Hmm... I think I'm pretty rested now. She jumped up and grabbed her overnight bag. Don't go anywhere, she said as she headed to the bathroom. Dustin sat up and looked around the room. It matched the old-fashioned feel of the rest of the place. On one end, there was a credenza with a large oval mirror above it. The sconce lights on either side of the mirror looked like they may once have been lit with oil 
or at least candles. There was a nice armoire in the corner near the entrance. Dustin wouldn't say the room smelt musty, but just old. Maybe it was the wood, or even the paint. He wasn't sure. Now I'm ready for you, came Kara's voice from behind him. Dustin turned to see that his wife had transformed from casual road trip Kara into sexy Kara. To be honest, he always found her sexy, but this was next level. She had taken out her ponytail so that her auburn hair flowed down around her bare shoulders. The negligee she wore was just low enough at the top, just high enough at the bottom, and tantalizingly see-through in all the right places. Well, said Kara as she held her arms out and swayed back and forth. What do you think? Dustin tried to find words to describe the array of emotions and bodily sensations he was experiencing. Earlier at the apartment, everything happened pretty quickly, and he didn't think much about it. He was definitely thinking about it now. I'm speechless. Kara smiled. Did you brush your teeth? Kara tilted her head questioningly. Um, yes. Okay, then I'd better brush mine too. Dustin walked past her to the bathroom, then turned to look at her one more time. He smiled mischievously. I'll be right back. Dustin closed the bathroom door, found his brush, and tended to his teeth as promised. He noticed the bathroom had the same type of oval mirror. He then decided to take advantage of the other facilities, though it wasn't easy in his current aroused condition. Upon washing his hands, he thought he heard a knock at the small window adjacent to the toilet. He went to the window to investigate. Nothing appeared to be outside, and the window was locked. It must have been the wind. Dustin crossed the room again to join his bride in the bedroom, but he found the door locked. Odd. He didn't remember locking it. There was another knock at the window. A definite knock this time. Dustin thought he saw something out of the corner of his eye. He turned again, but as he took a step, he must have lost his balance because he fell suddenly sideways. His head forcibly crashed into the mirror fracturing it into shards. Dustin fell to the floor in a daze. As he began to lose consciousness, he felt certain that someone, something, had pushed him. Kara heard a loud crashing sound in the bathroom. Dustin? What was that? She walked closer to the bathroom door and listened. Nothing. Dustin, are you alright? She tried to open the door, but it was locked. Just then came two sharp raps on the main room door. Who is it? No answer. Carl waited a good ten count before turning her attention back to the bathroom and her husband. As she did, the knocks came again, this time five knocks in a friendly musical pattern. Yes? Who is it? Again, no answer. 
Frustrated, Kara pulled up the thin bed cover and wrapped it around herself. Then she strode across to the door and opened it. This better not. (gasps) She gasped in surprise. Kara took a step back and deliberately closed and reopened her eyes to clear them. She focused again on the figure in front of her. Uncle Derek? Higher, sweetheart. Kara looked into the eyes of a man she hadn't seen in over a decade. A kind, loving man, of whom she had many wonderful memories. She immediately began to tear up. She'd forgotten how much he meant to her. She had mourned him, but now he was right in front of her. All of the emotions and memories came flooding back. Strikingly, her uncle looked exactly as he had before he died. Was this real? I'm sorry to surprise you like this, Uncle Derek said, smiling. But it does my heart good to see you all grown up. May I please come in? Kara didn't move at first. Then she laughed and backed further into the room. Yes, yes, please come in. Her uncle entered the room and closed the door behind him. He was dressed in a white suit and tie. In fact, everything was white, including his socks and shoes. I was pretty surprised myself when I learned you were here tonight instead of your Aunt Jean. But quite a welcome surprise, I must say. I've been keeping this date for many years with Jeannie, and I've heard so much about you from her. To see you with my own eyes. Well, it's a blessing. What a beautiful young woman you are. Kara blushed. She didn't know what to say. Then suddenly she asked, Can I give you a hug? Of course you can. Derek opened his arms, and Kara rushed into his embrace. They held each other firmly. She never knew how much she had missed hugging her uncle. She was close to her mom and friendly with her dad, but the bond she had with her aunt and uncle was something unique and special. After the hug, Kara moved to wipe her eyes, and she nearly dropped the bedding she had wrapped around her. She clutched it to her tightly, In all the excitement, she had forgotten the state of dress she was in. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, Uncle Derek. I wasn't, um... Uncle Derek laughed cheerfully. (laughs) Oh, no bother. I know you weren't expecting me. Like I said, I barely knew you were coming tonight. But before I knocked, I learned that you were here with someone. And now I see your ring. You are on your honeymoon. Yes, Aunt Jean made the arrangements. A clever woman. But I wonder if she thought it all through. Our meeting could have been much more awkward. Yes, I suppose so. Kara cleared her throat, then frowned. She had many questions. Uncle Derek... I don't understand. Aren't you... Dead? Oh, yes, my dear. Quite dead. (laughs) 
Dustin stirred on the bathroom floor, his right cheek resting on cold vinyl. Grunting, he slowly rose up to a kneeling position. His vision and mental focus were still quite fuzzy, and the left side of his head throbbed. He pressed his palm against it, which felt good, but also wet. Dustin pulled himself up so that he was leaning on the counter, facing the sink. He had meant to look in the mirror, but it was shattered. From what was left, he could tell he was bleeding, or at least had bled. He ran water and began rinsing the blood off the side of his head. Then Dustin heard a man laughing. <laughs> His hair stood on end. He whirled around, but he could see no one. Not looking too good there, dusty boy. The voice seemed to come from behind him. <laughs> Dustin turned back to the shards on the wall. Nothing there. This was stupid. Was he hearing things? Was he still passed out? Dreaming? The laughter returned. <laughs> From behind him again, he refused to turn around to take the bait. Then, from one of the shards, he thought he saw something. It was hard to make out due to the limited reflection. Dustin peered closer. He thought he made out something that looked like somebody's hairline, but not his. Then, Whatever it was, moved, and Dustin was looking at somebody's eyeball. He froze. What's, What's the, the matter, matter Dusty? Dusty? You don't want to see an old friend? Dustin finally turned around and looked into the face of Ty Palmer. Kara sat on the edge of the bed, making sure to keep herself covered. But if you're dead, Uncle Derek, what are you doing here? How did I hug you? Have you been resurrected? Am I dead? Are we in the spirit world? You're still dating Aunt Jean? Why didn't she say anything? <laughs> Uncle Derek chuckled. He sat down on the bed facing her and grabbed her hands. <laughs> well... That's a big bag full of questions. I don't have a lot of time, but let me try to answer what I can. First of all, you are not dead. You are very much alive and have your whole life in front of you. I, on the other hand, am dead. I am here because this place offers a unique opportunity for me to visit Jeannie while she's still living. He smiled. And now you. Kara frowned again, still confused. Let me try this from a different angle. Now I know you are familiar with our temples. Yes. Kara knew he meant the temples of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Just to lay the foundation, you know that after we make our own covenants with God, like being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and temple ordinances, like being married for time and all eternity, 
we can go back to the temple and perform those same ordinances by proxy for people who have died without the opportunity to do them while they were living. Right? Yes, but how... Now, just follow me here. All that to say that the veil between the living world and the spirit world is very thin in the temple. Do you believe that? Yes. Okay. Now, it's not quite the same thing, but it follows. This location, the Noble Oaks Bed and Breakfast, is a place where, once a year, today, July 2nd, those of us who have died can interact with the living world for a time. So this hotel is a temple? No, her uncle said severely. This is not hallowed ground. The rules here are much different. All kinds of spirits frequent these halls. However, it is a place where the veil is thin, a, a gateway, so to speak, between the living and the dead. The right side of Ty's face was bloody and caved in. There was a hole in his skull, and his jaw had been shattered and hung to the side. Ty was standing, but he was hunched over. His body kind of tilted to the left, twisted. His right forearm was broken just below the elbow, and the top of it protruded from the flesh, jetting up so that his wrist and hand dangled limply. Dustin just stared. This could not really be happening. Why, Why Dusty, Dusty, you look like you've seen a ghost. Ty laughed again. <laughs> it sounded airy and ragged. Dustin wondered how the face he was looking at could even talk. The ghost, at least that's what Dustin agreed to call it for now, kept referring to him as Dusty. That's what all of the football players had called him. A coach had got his name wrong once and it stuck. He'd just gotten used to it. But he hadn't thought about that in years. So how long has it been, Dusty? Four years since we've seen each other? Uh, it's been, uh, five years, actually, since graduation. Before I left on my mission. Oh, that's right. Dusty, the good little Mormon boy, went to serve the Lord in Mexico. Should I call you Elder Dusty, then? Ty's tone seemed both sarcastic and condescending. Guatemala, actually. And no, it would have been Elder Page. But I've been home for years now. Yes, you came home and stole my girl. Ty leaned closer and glared at Dustin with his left eye. Dustin could have pointed out the obvious flaw in that logic, but didn't think it wise to point it out. He noticed that Ty's right eyeball didn't move at all and was turned up to the side. He could also smell rotting flesh. This, this is, is not, not the tie I know, Dustin thought. This is dead tie. Sorry if I've interrupted your evening, Dead Tie continued. 
Believe me, Dusty Boy, you're in for a treat. Kara's pretty great in the sack. Dustin pushed the apparition away, partially in anger, but also just to get away from him. He walked toward the window. But how is it possible to push dead tie at all? If he was a ghost, a spirit, he shouldn't have any corporeal form. Why did he have a broken body and rotting flesh? This didn't make any sense. The ghost just laughed and leered at Dustin. <laughs> Look, Ty, I don't understand. You died over four years ago. This is... Yeah, and I'm still pissed, Dead Ty shrieked. Come on, scripture boy, you remember that old passage from Alma in the Book of Mormon? For that same spirit which doth possess your bodies at the time that ye go out of this life, that same spirit will have power to possess your body in that eternal world. Well, when I fell off that ledge near Stack Rock, I was pretty pissed. Wait, that scripture doesn't define your eternal state. You're extrapolating. Oh yeah, Elder Dusty? Dead Ty began lumbering toward him. How would you know? Have you died lately? Dustin knew he was being baited, but he kept up the scriptural discussion. It was familiar territory, where he felt safe, where things made sense. Peter taught in the New Testament that after Christ's crucifixion, he went and preached unto the spirits in prison meaning the spirit world. For this cause, Peter said, was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. What is this, Sunday school? Don't lecture me on what it's like to be dead. I'm not. I'm not. Besides, you started it. Okay. Look, why don't you just tell me what you want? What do I want? Well, now we're getting somewhere. You see, Dusty, what I want is my life back. But I can't have that. How about what I don't want? What I don't want is for my old girlfriend, hell, my old fiancé, and my old church buddy from high school to come to my playground on the one night where I can walk among the living, flaunting their wedding rings and having greasy sex right in front of me. That's what I don't want. Dustin's head was reeling. Ty, man, you're not making sense. We didn't come here to... Well, it had nothing to do with you. Well, it does now, doesn't it? And the way I see it, if I can't have what I want, then why the hell should you? Kara studied her uncle's face for any sign that he was joking. There was none. It all sounds quite incredible, she said. But I guess you being here is proof of what you say. I suppose it is, Derek said. As for how I can hug you, I really don't know. Like I say, the rules are different here. I don't have a body, 
at least not in the way we think of it. To be honest, it's been a long time since I've thought about it. I've kind of taken it for granted. <laughs> so, how long have you and Aunt Jean been meeting here? Oh, I guess it's been six or seven years now. So, not ever since you died, then? No. We didn't know such a thing was possible. Jeannie was encouraged to book a room here on this day by one of her physical therapy patients at the rehab clinic. That was our first reunion. We've kept a regular appointment ever since. That makes me glad. You two were always so great together. Kara realized her voice sounded sadder than she had intended. Hey, I know that face. What's bothering you, Karabara? She smiled at the old nickname. I don't know, Uncle Derek. I am honestly happy, really happy. Kara paused, trying to find the right words to express her emotions. I don't know. I guess I'm just waiting for the ground to fall out from under me. It might. Kara's head snapped up. What? Life is full of peaks and valleys. You've already been through so much. I saw how much your parents' divorce hurt you. Jeannie told me about your pregnancy and your fiancé's death and all that. How did you make it out of those experiences? Kara considered the question. I guess I just decided not to let it hold me back. Voila! Keep making that decision throughout your life. It is okay to be happy. It is okay to be sad. And all the other emotions. But under it all, you have to maintain a positive will to progress and prosper. You are absolutely right, Uncle Derek. But before, it was just me I had to worry about. Now I'm married. I could ruin someone else's life. What if something happens to us? What if it all falls apart? You and Aunt Jean. Jeannie and I had our share of troubles, Kara. It wasn't always rainbows and roses. The absence of conflict does not make a strong marriage. In fact, I'd say conflict is absolutely normal and necessary for a relationship to thrive. Not that you go looking for it. But don't be afraid of it. But with my mom and dad, it wasn't just conflict. My mom says they simply grew apart, just like that. And they were married in the temple too, just like Dustin and I, for time and all eternity. But they just grew apart, like those words mean nothing. Derek shook his head slowly. There was more to it than that. But it's not my place to say. The important question is, do those words mean something to you? Yes. Then always make it mean something. And do it as a team. Derek grabbed her hands again. Look, kiddo, I can't promise you it will always be simple and easy. But there's two of you now. And that's more powerful than anything you can do alone. You need each other. <laughs> and 
and the good thing is only one of you needs to be sane at a time. You can take turns talking each other down out of the tree. Kara smiled. Uncle Derek always had a way with words. That's what worked for you and Aunt Jean? Sure did. Although I think I spent more time in the tree than she did. <laughs> so, enough serious talk. Tell me about your new husband. How did you meet? Well, we met at church last Christmas, though we knew each other from... Kara stood up suddenly. Oh, I forgot. Before you arrived, I was worried about Dustin. I heard a crash in the bathroom. He hasn't come out yet. I should check on him. I can introduce you. As she walked across to the bathroom door. Please, don't, Kara. Her uncle called, with a note of desperation in his voice. What? Why not? Said Kara, taken aback. Forgive me, Kara. I'm being selfish. It's just... I only have these few spare moments a year. I told you the rules are different here. Well, some of them are unwritten. Almost rumors. Superstitions, really. I don't know for sure, but the unspoken understanding is that these encounters, you and me, the living and dead interacting, are a one-to-one -one arrangement, or at least one living person at a time. If you open that door... You might go away? Yeah. Silence hung in the air. Kara was concerned for her husband, but she didn't want to lose this moment with her cherished uncle. What a bizarre choice she had never imagined she'd face. Was the lack of noise from the bathroom reassuring or cause for alarm? Forget it, sweetheart. Of course you should check on him. I'll take my chances. Well, at least let me give you another hug, just in case. Kara rushed back over to him. I'd love that. Look, Ty, I'm sorry you died, man. Dustin said. That really sucks. Nobody deserves to die so young. I was sad when my mother wrote to me about it. Dead Ty smirked at Dustin. Hmm. <laughs> did you like your wife's skimpy outfit? I sure did. I'd forgotten how hot she was. I watched her change. Talk about a burning in your bosom. <laughs> well, her bosom, I was burning somewhere else. Stop it. You don't have to be crude. I was trying to relate to you. Why are you so dark and bitter? You were never like this before. Wasn't I? You don't know me. You never did. You were always the good little church boy, the first to volunteer, the fastest to find the scripture, always trying to choose the right. You're too innocent. You would never assume the worst in people. I... Dustin didn't know how to answer that. But I was different. I knew you had a thing for Kara. Everyone knew. The way you followed her around and looked at her like a lost puppy. 
I was glad to take her away from you. She wanted me, and I plucked her up. Did Kara tell you about how we got it on in my living room? She told me enough. You both went too far. You made a mistake. Oh, it was no mistake, Dusky Boy. I planned it all. I'm not saying it was easy. It took a long time, but once I eventually led her to the trough, she dug in and got sloppy, like the rest of the piggies. And oh my, she was a fine ride. Shut up. Don't talk about her that way. Ooh, looks like you can get riled up. You're disgusting. She made mistakes, and it sounds like her biggest was trusting you. But she repented. So did you. You were going to get married. Yeah, well, I had to go through the motions, right? Kara told everybody what we did. Her parents, the bishop. I had to follow suit. I had hoped she'd stay quiet. And I'd find a way to dump her after a bit. Then everybody started suggesting marriage and all that. I had to go along with it until I could figure a way out. In fact, that's what I was doing on the hike. My cousin and I were figuring out my escape plan. If I hadn't died, Jeff and I would have snuck off to his uncle's place in Reno. Maybe it was a good thing you died, Dustin muttered. What's that, Dusty boy? Speak up so I can hear you, tough guy. Dustin had never felt so angry and hateful before in his life. That's right, you vile piece of crap. Your death is the best thing that ever happened to Kara. Is that so? Well, let's see how your death works out for her. The ghost rushed at Dustin and knocked him into the wall under the window. Dustin was so surprised, he didn't have a chance to react. Deadtai pulled him up from the floor and hurled him onto the toilet. The seat and lid stabbed Dustin's ribs. The dead man lifted the seat and shoved Dustin's face into the bowl. How was Dead Tie so strong? He was dead. His body was broken and twisted. His right arm shouldn't even be able to move. Though Dustin pushed back with all of his strength, it wasn't enough. As his face was forced into the water, he tried to take a deep breath, but he was too late and inhaled water instead. He turned his head and was able to get air, but he coughed and choked on the water in his lungs. <laughs> Say goodnight, Dusty, Dead Tie intoned. He had his body weight on Dustin's back, pinning him against the edge of the bowl. He somehow grabbed Dustin's head with both hands to force him back underwater. Dustin tried to kick Dead Tie, but his feet just flailed on the vinyl flooring. In a last-ditch effort, Dustin got his knees anchored under the bowl and pulled himself backwards hard and fast. Dead Tie didn't have the right leverage and toppled off of him. Dustin sprang up, jumped over the dead body, and rushed toward the bathroom door. But Dead Tie was able to grab Dustin's ankle and send him sprawling back onto the floor. They both struggled to their feet. The dead man lunged for Dustin again. Dustin dodged to the side and hopped up so that he was sitting on the counter next to the sink. His back slammed into the wall, and he felt a shard of glass dig into his back. Adrenaline must have shielded him from the pain. All of his focus was on survival and destroying the creature in front of him. Dustin pulled his knees back and kicked forward with everything he had left. 
Dead Tai flew across to the other side of the room, his head crashing onto the opposite wall, and he fell into a heap in the bathtub. Neither of them stirred. The room was profoundly quiet. Dustin tried to move off of the counter, but he winced as the pain came screaming back to him. With the crisis over, he suddenly felt weak and tired. He knew he was bleeding and needed to do something about it, but it felt good to stay still and do nothing. Then, a rasping laughter filled the air. (laughs) Not bad, said the pile of bones and rotted flesh in the tub. Not bad at all. Impossibly, the dead man began to rise, eventually standing before Dustin once again. Dead Ty's right arm was completely gone, along with half of his collarbone. His jaw was held on by a tiny band of tissue. It swung back and forth. Yet still, he managed to speak. Now, to finish this. Dead Ty began to climb over the edge of the tub. Dustin did nothing. He felt cold and dizzy. He accepted his fate. Even his vision was beginning to falter. As Dustin watched the specter approaching, it seemed to grow translucent. No! No! Dead Ty screamed. Not yet! I have him! I just need one more... And then, the dead man simply vanished. Dustin smiled dumbly, and then passed out. As Kara broke the embrace of her uncle, she had to wipe her tears again. You are very dear to me, Uncle Derek. And you to me, sweet Kara. Please pass on my love to Jeannie. I will. We are on our way to see her. Tell her I enjoyed the surprise, but I expect to see her next year. (laughs) I will make sure she... Sounds of screaming came from the bathroom, followed by another crash. You heard that too, right? Yes. You must help him. And I feel my presence here will soon be over. Goodbye, Kara. Goodbye. She hated to leave him, but was now more worried about Dustin. Her uncle's words kept coming back to her. All kinds of spirits frequent these halls. She tried the doorknob again, but of course it was still locked tight. She pounded on the door and yelled, Dustin, are you okay? No answer besides muffled banging and maybe splashing? Kara thought about trying to kick the door in or ram it with her shoulder, but the door was set so that it would open outward toward her. It wouldn't be easy. She looked around the room for something heavy. All she found was an old rotary phone. Picking it up, she found it actually had quite a bit of heft. Kara pulled hard, expecting to pull the cord out of the wall, but the cord was long and coiled up behind the nightstand so the phone came easily. The bedding she had been wrapped in began to slide off of her, 
but at this point she didn't care. However, she did make a quick scan of the room to see if her uncle was still there. No sign of him. Kara grabbed the phone with both hands and brought it down hard on the doorknob. She did it again and again. The doorknob bent downward and was weakening, but the door was still locked. After two or three more hits, wood cracked and the doorknob assembly slipped out and fell to the floor. Kara rushed into the bathroom. Dustin was slumped over, sitting on the counter in his underwear. Blood was trickling down his back onto the counter. Oh, Dustin! What happened? I'm so sorry it took me so long. I can't lose you. Not you, too. Though frantic, Kara's mind became focused on what she needed to do to save her husband. She shook him. No response. She placed her cheek next to his lips. She felt his breath and knew he was still alive. Kara pulled Dustin onto the floor on his stomach. She found the overnight bag and pulled out a clean shirt and began applying pressure to his wound. Her mind raced. Now what? She thought. Then she thought of Michelle. Call if you need anything, the clerk had said. Kara reached across to grab the phone near her door. She hung up the receiver and then put it to her ear, cradling it with her shoulder. After getting a dial tone, she dialed a zero, as she had remembered learning from her grandma. Hello, front desk. How may I help you? Answered Michelle. This is Cara Dan. Cara Page in room 9. My husband is bleeding and unconscious. Please call 911. Right away, ma'am, came the rapid reply. The clerk did not seem the least bit phased by the situation. After that, I will grab my things and be right there. I'm also a nurse. Vernon actually had its own hospital. It was a bigger town than Kara had initially thought. By the time Dustin reached the hospital, he was already responsive and on his way to recovery. The ER stitched up the wound in his back and kept him on fluids. The doctor on duty praised Kara for her first aid efforts. It saved his life, he told her. Michelle and the paramedics helped a lot, too, Kara said. She walked behind the curtain to the bed where Dustin was resting. The doctor said if you look good after four more hours of observation, he can release you, she said brightly. And then what? asked Dustin. Well, if you feel up to it, we could drive up to Aunt Jean's today, or at least head in that direction. I called her and told her about your condition. She's making her living room into a palace for you, so you can be good and comfy. I'll drive the whole way so you can rest. I have so much to talk to her about. I don't... What? I don't feel up to it. I'd like to go back to Boise. Right. Okay. Kara tried to hide her disappointment. I guess that is a lot of traveling. Is there anything you need? More water? Ice chips? No, I, I think I'd just like to be alone and rest for a bit. Kara wasn't sure how to cheer Dustin up. He was usually the one doing that. But he'd been through quite a bit tonight, 
he didn't want to talk much about it. When she asked him in private what happened, all he said was that he was attacked. No other details. He didn't even say it was a ghost until she told him about her uncle and the special attributes of the hotel. Was it a ghost that attacked you? She had whispered. Dustin had stared at her with a tormented expression before simply stating, Yes. Only one of us has to be sane at a time, Kara thought to herself. It was her turn. All right, she told Dustin. I'll be right around the corner if you need anything. She kissed him on the forehead. We shall prevail. Faith, not fear, right? Uh, I don't know about that. Dustin muttered something that she didn't hear. What? Nothing. I'm just tired. Okay. Rest up. I'll check on you after a bit. As Kara walked out to the waiting area, she had the distinct impression that it might be her turn for quite some time. What a strange honeymoon, she thought. Not very romantic, is it? Their wedding seemed to be a lifetime ago. In one day, they'd had the ceremony, the reception, the wonderful romp in their apartment, the drive to Vernon, and then their spiritual encounters. She smiled at the thought of her time with Uncle Derek, but scowled as she recalled seeing Dustin bleeding in the bathroom, pale and cold. She was almost a bride and a widow on the same day. She'd have lost both Ty and Dustin? Kara stopped herself from spiraling into what-ifs. Always make it mean something, and do it as a team, Uncle Derek had said. That's what she would do. The cast of characters for this story were Renee Chambliss as Cara Page, Rish Outfield as Dustin Page and as Uncle Derek, Big Anklevich as Ty Palmer, or Dead Ty if you prefer, Bria Burton as Michelle and also the woman in the wheelchair, Julie Hoverson as the unnamed middle-aged woman. Gino Moretto played the guy offering a thousand dollars for the newlyweds room. And I, lovable for old Marshall, as the narrator. And also the part of the older gentleman in the lobby and the doctor in the hospital. So there you go. I, I hope you liked this story. I really enjoyed it. I've, I enjoyed the process of writing it. I enjoyed the process of editing it. Even though, as always, it took longer to edit than I wanted to. But I, I just got excited about it as I was writing it. And it probably, was probably one of the easiest things I have written. And so much so, I think, I can't remember the exact word count. And I don't have it right in front of me. But it was, it was over 10,000 words long. And I've never written anything close to that. And after having a couple people read it and rereading it myself, I, I realized there was too much 
And there probably still is too much at the beginning of the story before they get to the bed and breakfast. But I don't know. I, I thought all that was essential and I did cut a lot out and I did kind of consolidate some of the things and I took out some scenes and I took out <laughs> and I took out some scenes and uh, I don't know, maybe uh, sometime, maybe on my Patreon page, I'll uh, record the deleted scenes, the, the things that I took out. I don't know how interesting that would be. And uh, I did also, so I got together with Renee and Rish and Big and I all on the same conference call. And we all recorded our parts and we pretty much did a whole run through of the entire story. And those, all the major roles were covered by us. And then I contacted Bria and Julie and Gino separately and had them uh, do their little parts, uh, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and so then, yes, I edited it. I added music. I, I was preparing to do a lot more special effects, especially in the bathroom scene, the, the fight scene in the bathroom. But it just became to be too much. And if I added so much detail to that scene, then I would have to add a lot more sound effects to the other scenes. And, you know, so I added some things in there like like the car sound and the, the mirror crashing and the, and the knocks on the door and stuff like that. Um, but that's kind of where I left. I tried to let the music, I, I tried to let the music do some of the heavy lifting there, you know, where the, where the action scene was amped up by the action music and then we had creepy music when uh ty dead ty was was coming and and kind of the sentimental music when uncle derek was was talking yeah i just i really liked these characters and i, I guess let me now let me go back and uh talk about the, kind of the origins of this like i said at the beginning you know this whole dead and breakfast the the whole noble oaks bed and breakfast the idea of this was from Rush Outfield, and he's written many, many stories at this point. Um, but when I started to contemplate and write this story, I had only read two of Rush's stories. There was his first one, which was called True Ghost Encounter, uh, which he had done a couple years ago. And, and then he did one last year called Touching the Other Side. And as I was listening to that, I'm like, this is a really cool idea, and you could do a lot of different things with it and have different people have different experiences. And in Rish's first story, True Ghost Encounter, he had filled the lobby with interesting people. And I think he said that he did that because he, he did want, he wanted this to be a shared world. He wanted other people to contribute to the story. And, you know, so he kind of threw some characters in the lobby that anybody else could use. And so... There was this newlywed couple that was in the lobby, and I thought, well, that would be interesting. They're newlyweds, and they're coming to this this haunted, old, faithful bed and breakfast where they're going to encounter ghosts. What would happen on the honeymoon night of somebody encountering a ghost? And so that kind of got me thinking, and then I started putting the story together. And I didn't have a lot of, th you know, I had read Rish's stories. And uh, he sent me another one that uh, he wrote called The Night Clerk, um, which had some characters in it, but uh, they were newer characters. 
and they weren't part of this original story, and I wanted to tie into this original story. And so the only character that I had that would be a reoccurring person would be, well, of course, the other people in the lobby. But the, the clerk in that story was named Mich- Michelle. And I kind of liked that character and that name and the, the pronunciation that Rish used for that. And I thought, well, that's an interesting character. And so I started building the story out from the lobby scene in Rish's story. And I'm like, well, who are these people? Who are they? If everybody encounters a ghost when they come to this hotel or Ben Breakfast, who are they going to encounter? What's, what's going to be a link to them to the other side? And so I started to think, and who were these people? You know, who was Dustin and who was was Kara? What kind of people were they? And I didn't have much to go on from what Rish had um, put in his story. And so I just made up people. And I, I thought, well, it'd be kind of neat if they were religious people, because I'm a religious person. And how would I react if I went to a bed and breakfast and encountered a ghost? Um, would it be a good encounter? Would it be a bad encounter? How would that change my religious views and things like that? And so I started thinking, okay, I'm just going to make them religious. I might as well make them my religion. So I, I that's a, write what you know, right? So I created Dustin and, and Kara uh, based on that. And so somebody might ask, oh, so is it based on you and your wife? And uh, I guess there's elements of me and my wife's relationship in there and our beliefs and everything. Um, but not really <laughs> some of the stuff like with, uh, Dustin playing football and, and being friends and, and friendly with people on the football team. He, he wasn't one of the jocks. He didn't totally fit into that, but he got along with everybody that that's from my experience. And I think in my original writing, I did have a lot more in the conversation between Kara and Dustin that was from experiences that my wife and I had had. I talked a lot more about the singles ward and the, and the people they knew from the singles ward. And, and I kind of cut a lot of that out. So, I mean, yes, there's always going to be elements of me in my stories and, you know, Dustin may represent me in a certain way, but, but I wouldn't say it's autobiographical um, representation of me or my wife. Um, but of course, based on my knowledge and experiences, right. And my wife and I did adopt our first two children. And so the adoption stuff came from there, but of course I did it from the other side of the, um, the birth mother of the child, giving that child up for adoption. Um, I was on the other end of that. And uh, so anyway, just some of that stuff is based on me, but, but I tried to make it original. I tried to make Kara and, and Dustin their own characters with their own things going on. And by the time I got to the lobby, (laughs) they weren't, they didn't really represent the people that Rish had written about. Um, The people that Rish had written about seemed very kind of superficial and, maybe naive. I mean, I guess Kara and, and Dustin are naive as well, but not, not so much as they were portrayed by Rish. And so I kind of came up with the idea of them, Hey, this is fun. This is a new experience. We're strangers here. Let's, let's pretend to be other people. Let's, let's not be ourselves. 
just as kind of a fun thing to do. And that seemed like a like a fun idea. Like it would it would reveal part of their their relationship and their character to have them kind of playing off of each other um, in this way. Because I I really wanted people to get a sense of of who these people were and how they what their relationship was like before all the events happened in the in the hotel room. And so I I went with that and and that was really fun because then I could. I could have, you know, I brought in the Jack Nicholson thing and the, you know, who were they going to be? And, and, uh, so that was just fun to, to write that scene, knowing who Dustin and Kara were and dovetailing that in with Rish's story. And there, and that, I mean, the, the script in that little section, when they're in the lobby, when they first come into the bed and breakfast and before they go up to the front desk, all of that is, is almost verbatim of what Rish had wrote but it's just turned around from their perspective. You know, the dialogue is definitely word for word. And um, so that was kind of fun. And then I got to have them interact with Michelle at the front desk and uh, develop her character a little bit because we didn't learn much about her. And I guess we didn't learn much about her in this story either. But, you know, he had talked about some scars that she had. And so I incorporated that and... Um, I think I added that she had been a nurse before. And you've probably heard this before, but but Rish didn't remember writing Michelle in the first story. He didn't remember her as a character. And so when he when he read my story, he's like, oh, this Michelle character is kind of interesting. How did you think of her? Or, you know, I'll, uh, he was trying to think of how would he incorporate that. <laughs> And I said, no, dude, that's all you, man. You came up with that. And so that's kind of fun. Maybe we'll talk more about Michelle. Um, I, th- I think I plan. So I'm, I'm doing this episode. I'm airing this story on my po- on this podcast, Journey Into. And I'll talk about from my perspective and, and whatever. And then Rish and I are going to do an episode of, of his uh, Rish Outcast uh, talking more about his perspective. Maybe he has some questions for me that I've, I haven't answered in our discussions before. Um, and just get what it feels like for him to have me write this story and how he used this story in his um, other stories that he's written since. And I think that'll be a, a fun discussion to, and to talk about it with Rish. We, we've talked about um, this world and, and how it works and and, uh, you know, I, I tried to tread very lightly as I was writing this story into not put anything in concrete, not to set any rules, but to try to go with the flow. And I definitely wanted Rish to read this before I published it and make any changes that he would want me to, because it's his series and, and he kind of knows what he wants for the hotel. And so I wanted him to, to say, Hey, no, 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 I don't like the way you did that or. Or, well, that's not really the way that I see the ghosts working. Uh, but for the most part, he didn't have any changes that he wanted. I think the room number got changed because he had kind of had an idea of what the room numbers were. And so I changed that. And he had some advice about the overall writing of the story and, and uh, typos and spelling and stuff like that. Um, but as far as conflicts with his vision of what was going on, uh, with these ghosts and how everything worked, he he, I I think everything in there is intact. And uh, I, but again, I think that's because I tried not to say no. This is the way it is because I, you know, I I kind of wanted Uncle Derek to say, 
hey, this is how this is this is how I see things from my side. You know, when I when I came to visit you, this is my experience of learning that you were here instead of Gene. And I was kind of thinking, how would I write that scene? I said, no, 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 that Rish, I don't know how that works. And I don't know if Rish knows how that works. I'm not going to go into exactly what the ghosts experience on their side. And I just listened to uh, The Old Man and Me and uh, the fourth Dead and Breakfast story that I've read. And yeah, he used some of that in his in that story. So I'll, I look forward to talking to Rish about that. Uh, what else can I t- tell you about the reading of this story? Things that were, were fun. I mean, I guess the ghosts, the experiences. And I really wanted to do my vision of it. And, and it, it's what I did was to have the alternating scenes. And I saw this like it was a movie or if it was a TV show and where you'd have the scene with Dustin in the bathroom. And then it would cut to the scene with Kara in the hotel room. And then the ghost would show up in the bathroom and then the ghost would show up in the hotel room and they'd have these totally different and opposite experiences, you know, where Kara's experience with her uncle was a great, it was, it was uplifting. She learned things. She, she got to, to spend time with a cherished relative. And then we have good old Dustin in the bathroom with dead Ty and, uh, just treated poorly and beat up and you know the ghosts had two totally different attitudes and personalities and uh, i thought that was a lot of fun to do that to kind of have that dichotomy of one experience versus the other and then then i was trying to figure out how to end the story and i'm like well i i'm not going to tie up you know i mean i could have i could go on and on and have the whole scene where dustin and cara are talking about their different experiences and the revelations that came out of dead Ty's tirade about how he basically seduced her and, and about his deceit and how he had no intentions of getting married and just wanted to take advantage of her and things like that. You know, I mean, boy, that, that totally changes her worldview and the whole experience that she had. So she has some rough things ahead when, when she, Dustin actually tells her the real story of what happened in the bathroom. Uh, and I, I didn't have time to resolve that. I mean, yeah, I could, I could write a second story about Dustin and Kara and have that conversation. But I liked the idea of having that hanging out there that the audience knew, that we saw what happened in the bathroom. And Kara has no idea. And how is Dustin going to tell her? And how is that conversation going to go? And what's it going to do to their relationship? I, I don't think it would hurt their relationship, but who knows? You know, I haven't written that and I don't know if I ever will. Um, but I liked having that, the audience knowing that that was there and thinking of themselves, oh, that's going to be an interesting conversation. And Dave Thompson, a friend of mine who I had read the story, he liked that too. He's like, yeah, you, I like the way you left that open-ended, and we can kind of imagine how that's going to go ourselves. And so, yeah, so I just tried to leave it where Dustin's in a bad state, and Kara's going to have to be the strong one and try to help her new husband and hopefully take the things that she learned 
from her uncle and apply that to this situation. Yeah, it's it's a good, it's just a lot of fun, and this is my favorite story that I've ever <laughs> written, and uh, maybe there'll be more in the future. But right now, and I've written other smaller stories since. But yeah, this this one's still my favorite. It it, it was a lot of fun to write. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else I can tell you about this. Usually I just talk about what other people write. Now I'm talking to you about what I'm I've written. Well, I guess I'll leave it there and and uh Rish and I'll talk about it on his podcast and maybe he has other questions for me. And I think we'll end up talking more about the world at large. Um but I I have an idea for another story in this world. Uh, maybe I'll talk about that with Rish on his podcast too. Um, I'm, I'm still one of those people that doesn't like to spoil things too early, but you know, if you listen to me, talk to Rish and then, you know, a year later you read the story, you, you may remember pieces and parts, but this was a lot of fun. I'm glad I was able to share it with you. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you liked it. Um, I guess you can let me know if you didn't like it, too. (laughs) I know this is a long episode, so I'll just leave it there. And and thanks for listening to this story. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I have shared other stories that I've written over on my Patreon. If you'd like to join me over there and and see some of the extra things and and get some early episodes over there, you can go to patreon.com slash journeyinto. And I'd appreciate your your support if you do that. Uh, if not, uh, hopefully you'll you'll tell people about this podcast and share this episode with other people. If you'd like to contact me for any reason, you can send an email to journeyintopodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter under Journey Into. I hope you're doing well. And I hope I've entertained you a little. Uh, Until next time, stay safe out there and journey on. The Journey Into podcast is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means that you can feel free to share this audio with whoever you would like, but please don't sell it and please don't change it and let people know where it came from.